coming hey, in. Hey, this is Alani Martin, track state champion, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Hey, this is Rick Sincere, and you are listening to Aftermath, man. It's Rick and Moose. So happy to be back with you all this week. Just an incredible week of AAF to talk about, and I can't wait to hop into it. Moose, how you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm freaking stoked. I'm always happy to talk football, and I'm always happy to talk AAF. Moose, man, there, I mean, there were like, there were great games this weekend, and we predicted an upset. I don't know if we got the right one. But but we did predict an upset. Um, before we even hop into the upset game, and maybe this is the answer for this question, what was the most entertaining game for you this uh, weekend? Um, the most entertaining? Well, that's always an interesting question because when you go back and you check out the games, there was definitely just a, a lot of intrigue going on. Um, obviously, you had the upset. Uh, which was Arizona in Salt Lake. Uh, definitely an entertaining game. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about this in a little bit, so I'll move on. Uh, another really interesting game to me uh, that was fun to watch was the Orlando-Memphis game. It was just a, a tale of two halves, a tale of two quarterbacks. Um, so that was interesting to see. We finally saw the express offense click. And you started to realize that that defense is already good. That offense starting to click. That could become a very dangerous team for the rest of the season. And uh, honestly, one th- one of the games that I enjoyed the most was San Antonio San Diego, uh, which was a little lackluster the first time. <laughs> uh, not so much the second game. And just again, talk about a tale of two teams. Uh, the Commanders just last week looked phenomenal. This week looked a little flat. Um, I thought all three of those games were phenomenal. Obviously, you had the Iron Legends game. I don't want to not mention that game. Also an interesting game, uh, but went a little more like what I think everybody expected. I just think those three games in particular, did uh, you might have predicted a couple of the wins, but it definitely wasn't what you expected. I don't think anybody expected a four-point game. Uh, in the Orlando-Memphis game, and I don't think anybody expected the fleet to to just tear up the commanders. Um, And then obviously you had the upset with the Stallions. Man, just to give people the rundown of what happened um, last week, the Orlando um, Apollos 21-17 in a win against the Memphis Express. Um, Atlanta Legends uh, um, lose again um, to the Birmingham Iron um, 28-12. The San Diego Fleet, kill the commanders 31 to 11 right and then um, for the upset of the week which we'll get into now um the salt lake stallions 23 to 15 um against who were i mean the previously super super hot arizona hot shots man um upset of the week we know it's the stallions versus hot shots did you see that coming and we talked about it a little bit last week but did you for real see it coming I thought that there was a possibility. Um, did I predict it? Did I expect it? Not really. But I will shout out one of my um, of ambush sports writers. He actually writes for the Hot Shots. Uh, Landon Stevenson, phenomenal writer, writes for the Hot Shots, but almost perfectly called this game. Gave five factors of why he thought the Stallions would actually beat his team. And his predicted score was twenty three to eighteen. What? So almost nailed it no. to the number. Um, so I did not see it. I did, or I, like I said, I thought that there was a chance because this home field advantage thing uh, obviously seems to be pretty important. Uh, but uh, again, just gonna just gonna kind of give my props to Landon for for just nailing this call uh, and missing only by three points total. It was definitely a surprise to me when I was able to pull up the score as I was driving to the Orlando game um, and saw that 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 there was this this first upset and uh, wasn't sure if that was going to be a sign of things to come. (laughs) 
but uh, the other undefeateds were, were, were able to kind of hunker down and, and come out on top. But uh, I'm telling you, I think this Italian team is the real deal. They only lost last week because of four mishaps on special teams. Um, I mean, this team should have been the iron last week and did beat the hot shots this week. So I think the Stallions are definitely an underrated team right now. Um, and probably, hopefully, we'll see a little more respect in power rankings coming up after this week. Yo, so this is a little bit of a uh, you know crazy question with Schultz. Like, definitely another big, major impact in this game. Defensive end, he's absolutely killing it as far as putting pressure on the quarterback, right? My question is, is he your early season defensive MVP? He is definitely on my my probably my top two. Um, but I, if I had to go with a right now early season defensive MVP, and I don't know if it'll happen because these guys never seem to get the respect that they deserve. But my early season defensive MVP is Jamar Summers. Uh, but right, right behind him is is Carter Schultz uh, keeping the sack streak alive and just getting after it each and every single play, uh, always making the quarterbacks get out of the pocket, never letting them get comfortable, and, and you know, grabbing sacks left and right. So he's definitely very high on my list for defensive MVP, you know, this early in the season. Now, look, we if you watch that game or you, you kind of were able to kind of follow it at least, Wolford, um, you know, didn't start off super hot, but still at the same time, um, the Stallions got off to a pretty decent lead. The hotshots were able to get back, right, and tie the game up at nine. And then Warford, after he throws that interception, gets hurt. He's replaced by Trevor Knight. How much of of that actually played into the upset? I think quite a bit. Um, Trevor Knight just I, – I know at the beginning of this season, once Warford was actually announced the starter, that seemed to surprise a lot of people. Everybody was expecting – uh, Trevor Knight to be the guy was going to be the quarterback there. And then Wolford got the call. And then obviously, you know, very quickly, the naysayers went away when he threw four touchdowns to start to start the season. Um, he has slowed down a little bit, obviously, since then. He's come back a little bit of regression, but he's been able to win. Um, I think we saw on Saturday why Trevor Knight was not the starter. He just did not look clean. He was well below 50. or I think he was right at, I think he was just below 50% passing. Um, under 100 yards, just didn't look that good. And coming in when he came in obviously didn't really help. But uh, I do think that Trevor Knight coming in for uh, the injured John Wolford did play a part in this. Um, and really, it might have even shaken the confidence a little bit of that offensive unit, uh, knowing that, you know, it, regardless who was coming in next, but knowing that the guy that's brought you this far is no longer in the game. I don't know if that's a psyche thing or what could have definitely affected and most likely affected uh, the, the, that second half. So do you think a long-term injury to Warford, we don't, you know, I don't know what the deal is with him now, but um, do you think a long-term injury for him changes the trajectory of the hot shots in, in their season hopes? <sighs> yes and no. I think it will affect them in the long term because of the short term um because i mean we're looking at, at a pretty pretty tight race amongst all the teams and i think even if it takes trevor knight a couple of games to get going and the hot shots drop those games that could affect everything going into playoff seedings or even making playoffs um especially if, if salt lake can start putting some stuff together they already have uh you know they they, they just grabbed this win if they can Mounts a couple more. We know that this is a pretty solid team. I think it could affect the end of the season stuff for for the hot shots. Um, even if Knight does get something going and is able to do it, he's going to have to do it immediately. I mean, they can't afford to drop two games in a row or three games in a row in a in a ten week season. Um, those, those those things are huge. It's not NFL where you've got sixteen weeks and in two or three year might not be a, a big deal. But here you're talking about that's that's over a quarter of your season. If you're dropping three three games, um, you're you're just going to be hard pressed to make playoffs and, and at least have decent seating at that point. So I do think that that if Wolford's out long term, 
Knight has to step up immediately, and they're going to have to most likely change the style of the offense that they were running in order to fit Trevor Knight better. Man, I'm I'm looking at this overall. My my major thing is, for one, great you know great upset by the Stallions, but it looked like they came to play from the very beginning of the game. It looked like they came in to dominate. I don't know what a win like this means for them for the rest of the season. Like, how how do you see that? What do you think this win means for them for the rest of the season? I think this is a, a, a humongous win. I think they came in with a chip on their shoulder from last week, knowing that they dropped the game that they should have won. And they had the opportunity to off one of the undefeated teams last week and then had the opportunity to come at home and take out another top team immediately. Uh, I think that they kind of realized that, and they came out to play, um, especially that defense, just looking at some some, some numbers that I, I didn't even realize until just now. But they were able to hold the Arizona hot shots to one of ten third-down conversions. Mm. Um, you're, you're not going to win a football game very often uh, when you can't convert on third down at all. And this defense comes to play all the time. The offense has slowly been going. Obviously, you had Woodrum coming back. That definitely helped. Uh, in my opinion, that really helped. You didn't have uh, Austin Allen in there, uh, not even knowing where the where the play clock is uh, for his first start. But you were able to kind of put a little more uh, structure back into your offense and then that defense playing as well as they did. And I, I really do think, I think you nailed it. They came in ready to play. Um, they came in with a chip on their shoulder knowing that they should have beaten the Iron last week and they didn't, and they weren't going to let an opportunity like that slip again against Hot Shots at home. Man, this was a, this was a huge upset, um, and, and it, we talked about it last week, right? Is it, is it a any given Sunday type of thing? Like, is this the situation? Oh, my bad, any given Sunday or Saturday. Is, <laughs> is, is that the thing here, right? Um, we thought about this. As it related to the Orlando versus Memphis Express game, right? When we start looking at that game, I um, just said, hey, based on the way I saw the Express playing a little bit, I was like, yo, what if they came in and upset, you know, the Apollos? And you were like, I don't I don't see it. Right. But you did give credence to the fact that it could happen overall, man, like 2117, not that far away. Right. And it was a very good game. Let me ask you this question. We saw Hackenberg, and we saw him leave, and then we saw Mettenberg really hop in there and do his thing. Did, did Christian lose his job? I think so. Um, and I'm not sure if we mentioned it on the podcast last week. I feel like we at least touched on it, but I know it's been a, a subject of discussion uh, with for us on Twitter and even amongst our writers that I – that the, really the only chance we thought that Memphis was going to win is if either a Christian Hackenberg just had a, a this great awakening and became a really good quarterback all of a sudden, or if they got rid of him and put Zach Mettenberger in. <laughs> uh, that is actually what happened. This game would not have been twenty-one to seventeen if Hackenberg played that entire game. And that's not trying to bash on the man. I know he lost his job, or I well, I know he lost his job at least for this week. It's already been announced that Mettenberger will start next week. Um, but I don't know what it, I don't think he's a bad player, but I think as of right now, I think he has a bad attitude. I think that's his problem. I think he's still coming in with, I was a top NFL draft pick and it just, everybody else around him is stupid. It, it, it's what we saw two weeks ago when he was mic'd up. That's why he refused to be mic'd up this week. Um, and then he just did not look very good through the two interceptions. Again, one of them in the red zone or just outside the red zone, if not. I mean, left points on the field, flip the field, all kinds of stuff happens. And then Mettenberger comes in, and in his first six pass attempts, those the first touchdown in franchise history. And then follows that up a few pass attempts later with a 50-yard touchdown. Uh, both of them really, really well-thrown balls. Uh, I do think that Christian Hackenberg has lost his job. I do think this is what Memphis should have done a long time ago, as in before the season started. <laughs> And I think you would see a different team, and I wouldn't be surprised if you saw at least a win coming into this. I mean, Memphis only lost, what, last week by two points to the Hot Shots. Uh, I mean, and that was with another relatively poor performance by Christian Hackenberg. If you had 
Mettenberger in there and had gotten rid of the interceptions and added touchdowns, Memphis beats Arizona last week as well. And you're looking at and, and if, if Mettenberger plays this entire game this week, there's not saying that they wouldn't have won this week as well. And now they've just beaten two top teams, one team in conference or in division, and and, and are looking pretty sitting at, at two and one as opposed to zero oh and three. Man, Mettenberger um, holds a special place in my heart because he played for the LSU Tigers. And not only did he play for them, but he was phenomenal. He was there during those years when Odell was there, right? When we had Odell and Jarvis Landry. And yes, he could have been a lot better, especially with that receiving core, right? Um, but I, I loved him as a quarterback because he was the last stable quarterback we had at LSU, right? So then he, you know, he leaves there, comes to the NFL. When I saw him in the in the AAF draft, not get drafted high, I thought that was a bit of an undervaluing of what he brings to the table overall. I was kind of lost in why he didn't get selected a lot earlier. Do you have any clue why he didn't get selected earlier? I do not. That was kind of a weird year in quarterback drafting in general. Because if I'm not mistaken, that was the same year that Murray and McCarron both came out. And uh, I believe McCarron wasn't picked up until the fifth round, and then Murray was picked up only a pick or two ahead of Mettenberger. Oh, I'm talking I, about the AAF draft. Oh, the AAF. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about NFL draft, because I thought that was strange even back then. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, his personality's there. I mean, the, the Memphis Express, another thing that's always just blew my mind of why he's not starting. They have their own, like, he has his own show <laughs> for for the express where they do stuff on, on Twitter with them. And he's got the personality, he's got the leadership. And in my opinion, he's just, he's just a better overall quarterback than, than, than Hackenberg. And I feel like really it just came down to draft capital in the NFL. I mm. think it came down. Well, Mettenberger wasn't, and I think they're thinking a little too much. Well, if the if the NFL scouts didn't see Mettenberger until six round pick, and 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 Hackenberg was was a top pick, you know, obviously he's better. Mm. And, and I've I, I, I've always been to the mind that I, I think that's always crazy. You know, you're trying to evaluate, you know, how many hundreds of kids coming into NFL drafts and stuff, uh, and and to put those numbers. I mean, we've seen Tom Brady. You know, who wasn't a number one draft pick, <laughs> you know, so uh, what he's done. But I, I don't know if that's what it was. I don't know if it's just they kind of erred on the side of, of other talent evaluators that are on the quote unquote NFL professional level. And that's how that went, because I everybody that was this was another one that that, that that surprised me. I thought for sure I would I would have, you know, put the house on it that Mettenberger was going to be starting for the Memphis Express and then all of a sudden Hackenberg gets that position. And uh and just for the last two or three weeks, you know, two and a half weeks, he's not looked very good. And then Singletary comes out, was it yesterday, and with a quote saying that, that Mittenberger's a phenomenal leader. He's the hardest worker on the team. He studies nonstop. You know, the the guys love him and I'm like, then why <laughs> why has he not been starting? <laughs> Like, I don't understand. Like, why would you say that afterwards? <laughs> you know, because now everybody's wondering the same thing. Well, that's that's stupid. And why did you not start him if he's you know, your hardest worker and all the guys love him and he's got that great personality and is a leader? And so I, I do think um, I think Mettenberger is far and away the, the superior talent. And I think you might start to see this team uh, start to, to shift. And, and you saw it even in this game where the run game was not there for the first half and the run game opened up in the second half once Mettenberger came in the game. And it wasn't after he threw the touchdown. It was actually on the initial drive because Mettenberger was in the game. They respected the pass more and Davey was able to, to chunk off yards moving down the field. And then they went play action. And that's when Mettenberger threw the touchdown. So it opens up the defense already. Whereas most of the, most of the, uh, the teams playing against Memphis have just sold out on the run and, dared Hackenberg to beat him and he just wasn't can I play devil's advocate for a minute for um for Mike Singletary can I do that yeah absolutely 
I know it's not like popular, but <laughs> but look, here's, here's kind of what I think. Like you look at Hackenberg, and what I believe is that the raw skills, like the raw talent, plus the build, right? You look at him and you see an NFL quarterback, right? Like he he's huge. He has like a great arm. He has a lot of raw talent, and you do kind of you know lean on the scouts a little bit. You looked at what they've seen in the past, and maybe. Even in practice, right, in a controlled environment, maybe he's delivering there. I feel like the biggest problem with Christian Hackenberg comes in an actual game when it's time to read defenses and when it's time for him to actually, you know, show that he has the mind of an NFL quarterback. And I don't believe he's a great leader, right? But I believe the raw skills are really hard to to um to overcome. And maybe that's what he thought. And, and maybe he saw the raw skills and thought as a coach that he can possibly, you know, Turn him into a great leader. And, and definitely the opportunity. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, he, you know that he has the skills, and you saw that in college. Um, it just, to, to me, it's tough. I mean, we saw what he did in his NFL career, and we watched him the first two games. And I'm surprised he didn't get pulled in the second game when he was yelling and screaming and blaming everybody for everything. Um I mean, even to how quickly the play was coming, getting called in. And I mean, that kind of issues were, were coming up. Uh, I mean, as far as build, though, I don't know if, I mean, because I think Mettenberger is actually bigger than Hackenberg. Uh, I think he stands like 6'5, 230 or something, 235, something like that. Um, so, I mean, he's, he definitely has the, the look uh, of the quarterback. So, but, so I, I would guess I'd have to lean back on the, on the scouting thing. I think it was just NFL draft capital that's really done it. Is if the NFL scouts saw that he has this this level of this level of talent, then we might be able to pull it out. And Singletary being a you know really hyping up the the, the defense on this side, you know probably just I don't know I don't know how it how how it happened, but I know that if I'm a Memphis Express fan, I'm far more excited going into Week Four than I have been for the first two and a half games. Um, I know my Twitter exploded when Mettenberger came in into the, into the game to start the second half, and rightfully so, because that entire offense just became a, a different story. And I will say that the, the score to that game is a little bit – it doesn't really tell the whole story. I mean, the, the Apollos in the fourth quarter – just marched right down the field, got all the way to the one-yard line and took a couple of knees. Um, I mean, they were on the one-yard line when the game ended, and Memphis was not able to stop the run for anything at that point. So if they wanted to, they could have pulled this score out a little farther. Uh, but regardless, you saw a far better team uh, in the second half, and I would be excited as an Express fan moving forward. Yeah, I, I I say that Mettenberger may be taller, but I mean, you look at look at um Hackenberg. He's six four, right? And he looks like an athlete. Like he's six four. He looks like an athlete. Um, feels like he has a cannon. Like maybe that was that was kind of what he thought. Um, I have this question though. If we if we head over to the other side, man, I know you're loving this. The Apollo there, what three and zero? Oh yeah, at three and zero, their quarterback is phenomenal. Week after week after week, is he the early season offensive um, MVP of the league? I would have to say yes. Um, you can <laughs> make. A, I think you can make an argument for. Wait, I heard your smile as you said yes. <laughs> yes, um, because I am. I mean, yes, we cover everybody, but again, this is kind of my local team. It's the one I, I've been able to talk to some of these guys. Uh, after the game and, and, and interview a couple of them and, and just be able to see them, see him play in person. Uh, I do think that Gilbert is probably, would probably be leading an, an early season uh, MVP run. And the only reason I say that is just how he has consistently performed. Um, obviously, his week last week was definitely one that had everybody talking, um, including NFL analysts and everything. We're, we're talking about that that play. And um, this year, it was a little more unconventional, not necessarily the same Garrett Gilbert we saw. He did add uh, 43 yards and a pretty epic touchdown run. Epic. <laughs> it, it epic. Was really, 
great. And uh, we've got some phenomenal shots of it. It happened to happen right in front of our photographer. So he was what? able to nail it. No, it was great. Uh, I knew I knew it was good when he made it to the end zone, and I immediately got a text that said, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked down on the field, and I see him in the, in the right corner of the end zone. Uh, but I would have to say yes. I mean, I think we're actually going to talk about him later, so I won't say who else I'll kind of have in that conversation. Um, but you could make an argument for one other player, but I believe you could only make an argument for one other player. Man, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Like, he looks he looks great. He looks great so far um, as a leader, and he's throwing bombs on a week-to-week basis, and they look beautiful in the air, and they come down, Chris, too. Like, he's, he's, been, he's been great. I want to kind of move over to a not-so-happy story um, <laughs> and talk about the Atlanta Legends. Man, I can't believe what I saw from them um, in, in, in this last week. Vic was there. So Vic was in the building. Like he was there, he was in the stadium. Um, and they seemed to start off hot, but they just can't ever keep that fire. Like throughout the entire game, they can't keep it. Bro, what's up? Like, what's the main problem with them and why can't they keep that same energy? I think that they lose energy about the same rate that they're losing coaches right now. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty pretty quickly. Um, I also, um, I thought it was strange that, I mean, I, I didn't think it was strange because they're doing the whole honor the legends thing. So they brought Vic in, but I, at the same time, I did kind of find it strange because you, you got rid of them like a couple days before the first game. If I'm not mistaken, I think they lost their, their newest offensive guy right before this game. It's just, everything is going really weird, really crazy. Um, but as far as why I think there's such a dynamic difference, and the only thing I could come up with is just script. You know, they, they script out the first handful of plays. Um, and it, as you've noticed, because their longest drive, and this is another piece if you wanted to check out Dane Johnson's, a new writer we just brought on covering Atlanta Legends, and this is actually something he discovered, uh, is that the longest drive that the Atlanta Legends have had all year is their opening drive. Mm. Every single time. And I, I think it comes down, it's just the game. It's, those plays are scripted. So there is not, there's not a whole lot of call in the play, and there's not a whole lot. These are the plays we're running. We've practiced the same 15 or 20 plays in this particular order, you know, X, Y, Z amount of times all week long, and that's how we're going to start off. And I think that if you give Matt Sims enough practice in that script, he looks much better. But once you have to start calling plays to adjust to the defense, I don't think – I just don't think he's – I don't think he's at that skill level where he's able to to just get out there, get the play, read the defense, check if he needs to, um, you know, look off defense. I don't think he's at that level. So I think the reason they start off looking great and they fade, it just comes down to to those scripted plays to start the game. Man, could they just possibly just run it back? Like, okay, cool, we did it. <laughs> we did that the first <laughs> drive. Let's just do that one more time. Let's see if that works out. I mean, they, probably at least to start the half again, you know, you know, if, if, if it worked the first time now, will you better run the whole thing again? No, but could you run chunks? Yeah, a- absolutely. You could, you should absolutely be able to, uh, to, to, to just take, you know, three or four plays out and just, you know, get back into almost a hurry up style, um, and, and get that opportunity to start going. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I personally think that a, your problem is is Sims, and we've again. I don't. I don't want to bash on the guy, but we do have. Uh, while we're talking about our offensive and defensive players of the week for Ambush Sports, um, Matt Sims has been nominated as the defensive player of the week <laughs> <laughs> two, two different times because he says nobody can stop an offense like Sims. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to kick the man while he's down, but that kind of, kind of been the, the running joke so far. Oh, uh, God, wait. But he definitely, I mean, 328, wait. he had the touchdown, but the, the interception is just stalling the drive and killing it. Wait, Moose, wait, wait. <laughs> All right, go ahead, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> just the, the interception. 
interceptions at the end of the game and, and just at pivotal points. They're not helping anything. And um, I, we talked last week about Sims. This was actually our, our hopeful upset of the week. Yeah, yeah. We both went in by on the it. Legends twice. I will never take them again. Um, but uh, we talked about, I, I said that if you can move Sims around a little more, and when he has a little more time, that he looked better, and they did that from time to time, and he did look better. Uh, again, through for the three twenty-eight and, and the touchdown, but it just it, it didn't really matter because he had the three interceptions, and that just just stalling those drives doesn't help anything at all. I would say that he is having um, a real rough time of it. Right, he was kind of statistically at least leading Perez in an early half. I think Perez only threw for like two yards in the first, like you know a few minutes of the game or whatever. So it seemed to be like, a, a you know, a day for Sims, right? Maybe we thought that something would possibly happen. Um, but you're right. It seems to be just whatever scripted plays they can run, they're cool with that. I have this question, though. You look at defenses overall, right? Sims have has had some rough days before. Is this a particularly rough day because of how great um, the iron um, plays on defense? And are they, in your opinion, the best defense in the league. I don't know if this is necessarily. It's hard to say because the, the 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 iron defense in this particular game they had the takeaways, but they gave up a considerable amount of yards. Uh, both uh, or basically mostly through the air. It wasn't a whole lot of ground yards, but they did have the big takeaways. I do think that Birmingham is one of the top teams in the league. Uh, I think they're still, I want to say they're number one in scoring defense. Um, I mean, obviously they, they had the shutout to start the season and then, you know, only 12 points this week. And I can't, I can't remember what they allowed last week. Uh, nine, I think. So I do think that the iron defense is, is a, a one of the top defenses in the league, but, and I, this might sound abs- absolutely crazy, but you kind of touched on it a little bit accidentally. I think another top defense in this league belongs to the Atlanta Legends. <laughs> um, I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't show because they continue to lose, but that's definitely not any fault of the Legends. Again, just looking at just looking at statistics here, team statistics. They only allowed two hundred and thirty-four yards. Uh, on 62 plays, they only averaged 3.8 yards, and they held them to 5 of 13 on third downs. Um, Trent Richardson ran 17 times for 46 yards, uh, and they kept Lewis Perez uh, to 160 and in an interception. Um, this defense is actually pretty good, and they don't need a whole lot of help on offense. Really, the Atlanta Legends are a Lewis Perez away from being the Birmingham Iron. Hmm. Just like somebody that's just not going to turn the ball over or that's not going to solve drives. I mean, that, that's really where they are. I mean, they're, they're, they're a, a decent quarterback away from, from, from being something. Uh, but I would say that most likely Birmingham Iron is, is probably your top defense. Again, they do have my, uh, my front runner for defensive MVP for the AAF and Jamar Summers. Um, I don't know if he'll ever win that award because those guys never seem to get they never seem to get recognized because if you're too good they just don't throw to you. But th- there's a reason they don't throw to Summers because he's either going to intercept it or he's going to knock it away. Um, if that's a guy that I'm looking forward forward to for this off season with NFL and after the season comes through, I would not be surprised if that guy gets a call up to NFL. He's Bro. definitely playing NFL level. I can't wait to um, to really focus in on that conversation, the who's going to the next level um, topic. Like one day, well, I think maybe in the near future, maybe we should address that, right? Like talk about just specifically who can do it at the next level. Yeah, for sure. I'd be super geeked about that. All right. So, oh, man, we talked about a quarterback issue in um, in Atlanta. You definitely said that they're a good quarterback away. It seems like the commanders have a bit of a a quarterback issue, right? I I wouldn't say a quarterback issue, but I would say, you know, when you have multiple quarterbacks, then maybe you don't truly have one. And maybe 
you know, I don't know about the trade situation, but maybe they could, you know, move some people around. We're looking at Woodside as their quarterback, but he often sits in favor of Williams. Um, let me ask you a question. With the commanders, does that affect their rhythm a little bit because they keep moving around on Woodside and Williams? Uh, I think so. I think it would have to affect it. Now, they'll probably say that it doesn't. Woodside will come out and say that it doesn't. But I just can't imagine being a quarterback and, and just – I get it in the college level, and I know that it works at the college level. Uh, you, you've seen it successfully run through through many, uh, many universities. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to implement. But it just – I've never really seen it be effective at the professional level. The Apollos even kind of tried it this week with Kevin Anderson. Um, both packages where they put Kevin Anderson in just did not really work and installed those drives. Uh, I know that Williams was actually relatively effective uh, when he was in. Uh, I think he had, what, 30, 30 something yards rushing, and then I think he was actually perfect on passing, albeit for like 30 yards passing as well. But I, I would have to assume that even if it's not messing up your rhythm, it's got to be kind of affecting your psyche going into it. You know, knowing that that at some point I'm going to get pulled because this package has already been set, um, and not knowing if it's going to come after an interception or oh man, it's third down, so now they're going to take me out because coach doesn't trust I can pick up the third down, or coach wants me to, to you know not come in on first down on this particular drive to try to. And that's just got to be stuff that you're thinking of, regardless of how professional you are, regardless of that's got to mess with you a little bit. Um, and, and I think it did for this game as well. Uh, it's I don't like it personally. I don't like it on almost any level. And it just does not really work uh, on a professional level. Um I'm with you. I, I would almost be willing to just start looking and, and with the trade policy, which I did look up this week, and I just was not, still not really able to find a whole lot uh, on that. But uh, yeah, I would say that, the, that that Woodside is definitely being affected by the, the the packages set aside for Williams. Man, I've seen it successfully done. Um, as a okay. If you don't know this about me, it's time for you to know it. I'm a Saints fan. I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. And from outside of the AAF, right? Inside the AAF, I am a Arizona Hot Shots fan. Um, <laughs> I mean, as I'm, I mean, I'm definitely willing to rent out my fandom, right? Um, but for right now, it's, it's the Hot Shots. I'm looking at Breeze and, and Taysom Hill, and they're actually able to do that pretty okay, right? Like they have that ability to, He's a mobile quarterback. They bring him in every now and again, and he does it pretty well, right? He comes in, and then he goes off the field, and everything's fine. But they're not subbing him in for an entire series. And I think that that may be a bit of an issue. The fact that you're moving out a quarterback who seems to be in rhythm, and, and this seems to always happen to him while he's playing well, right? Am I wrong when I say that? No, not at all. So he's always playing well, and then they pull him out for a series, not just a play, but like for a series. And I and I'm with you. I think it affects his rhythm a lot, and, and I think maybe it's the reason why you know they weren't able to do so well. Another reason, in my estimation, why they they weren't doing so well in that game is they're going up against a really good team for one. And man, Nelson Spruce had a phenomenal day. Like he just had a he just had a great day. How did you feel about his day? I'm sorry. Who was that? Spruce. Spruce, the wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Spruce is. <laughs> he has been. I actually uh, was looking up some stats on him because he's a guy that, that I've heard kind of being tossed around the last couple of weeks. And um, if, if going back, his week one was very pedestrian. You know, he was one for three, 11 yards. Uh, then he kind of came alive week two and went four for six for 58 and then this last week he was four for seven 50 and two touchdowns um i don't know if, if that's just a testament to uh the, the quarterback play um if, if we're starting to see with nelson starting to really uh, kind of come into his own stride or what but he definitely seems to to favor uh spruce uh which is I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, the guys, the guys making catches, and he's giving you, giving you those, you know, fifty plus yards. He's moving chains. He's grabbing touchdowns uh, in this last game. Uh, definitely a guy that I want to continue to watch and see 
this offense is starting to click. <laughs> and if this offense continues to click, I'm very excited, especially for a fantasy football aspect, if you're playing AAF fantasy football. Um, I know that most players that were playing like on fan ball or whatever, like a DFS style, most people that cashed out were most likely playing uh, some one or two players from, from the fleet. Uh, yeah, Spruce, I'm very interested to see where he's going to go uh, continue, continuing on as, as, as Philip Nelson continues to get better and this offense continues to click. Is this going to be the guy? Uh, the last two weeks he has been. So it seems like they're getting together, you know, getting a team together from the receiver standpoint. Um, but they seem to already be very well put together at the running back uh, position. How do you feel about their running game? That was the only other person that I would put in as an AAF offensive MVP candidate would be Jaquan Gardner. Mm. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get too far because I knew I wanted to talk about him at, at this juncture. Um, the, the kid is just has just been incredible. Same deal. I went back and I was like, I want to check out his stats uh, starting from the beginning of the year. He started off with eight for fifty five, then went fifteen for one hundred six as the second rush, second one hundred yard rusher, but had the two touchdowns. And then this week had went twelve for one twenty two and a touchdown, and has the, if I'm not mistaken, the longest play in AAF history right now with the eighty three yard run. With and the offensive line blocking is phenomenal. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from those guys. The, the, that front line has just come alive for run blocking and just blocking in general is, is, has upped itself. But the two cuts and the vision by Gardner on that long run. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean that that the blocking is good. The blocking gave him the ability, but the play was not called where he ran. And he made that happen in the backfield, avoiding the first tackle, slipping through the hole, and then, I mean, just completely running away. I mean, every step he was getting farther and farther and farther and, and makes it um, this, this long play. I, we had said after the first podcast we did together, I said that I thought the running games would start to catch up. We're starting to see that. We're starting to see 100-yard rushers uh, weekly now, sometimes a couple of 100-yard rushers like we had last week. Um, this team is making it a point that they are going to run it down your throat and they're going to beat you throwing the football whenever they have to. But you're going to have to stop the run and then you're going to have to stop the pass. And in this game in particular, they had a 122-yard rusher and Gardner and Watson was sitting at 73. So, I mean, they were flirting with 200-yard rushers on this game. And then, of course, Nelson went 193 with two touchdowns himself. Um, this team, like I'm saying, is starting to come together. The running game is has been phenomenal. Gardner is definitely in my top two right there with Gilbert as far as the AAF offensive MVP candidate. Yo, where do you put the the fleet, um, I guess, in comparison to the Apollos? <sighs> hmm. Ranking-wise or just skill-level just... team comparison? Let's just say threat for a championship wise. Threat for a championship wise. If they continue to improve like this, my initial start off the year, and I still sit here. I think I thought it was going to be Orlando and Arizona. Me too. In championship. I still I'm not, I'm not going to fade too far away from that. I mean, I know that you know that that you know Salt Lake obviously is a good team, and that they had the loss. Uh, I'd like to see next week. San Diego, basically after week one, has has impressed me. Um, I know that they beat the they beat up on the Legends last week, but I, I really do think that they've got one of the more dynamic offenses in in the way that hurts you the most. Whereas the Apollos passing game has been very very good, and they've been able to complement that with the run game, usually in the fourth quarter. The fleet are able to run it at will and complement the running game with the passing game. And I think that is dangerous because that means that at any point and they want to shut it down and do a long drive, they can and they will. Whereas the Apollos are still going to continue to throw. 
I, I think San Diego is really going to sit an advantage on having this very strong run game, and I would not be surprised to see them continue to to improve in the passing game as Nelson gets more reps and gets more experience, and this running game is going to is going to to improve based off of the the quarterback play improving. You're going to have to respect the passing game more, and you can't sell out on the run. Um, so I think. In my eyes, the fleet are moving up quickly. I had the Commanders as my number three team in power rankings last week, and they just got completely embarrassed. I understand it's kind of a long travel, but that was an impressive win, and the fleet have definitely moved up on my radar. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to see them as they come across the country next week. Man, I feel like um, if there, if Wolford is going to be, if if he's going to miss any week, I think maybe next week is the week to miss for the Arizona Hotshots. Um, and I, I'm thinking about them because I'm thinking about these rankings, right? So if if he's going to miss a week, I think next week may be the week to do it. Um, Trevor Knight, Arizona going up against the Atlanta Legends. Um, I think that wouldn't be too bad of a, you know, I, I probably would take that chance if I'm that coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I want to hop into some predictions for next week. Um, but before I do that, I need to ask you this. Really quick. Garden did have a phenomenal run. But we can't just like not even think about or talk about or mention, right? Trent Richardson's three touchdown day. So who's the premier running back in this league right now? I would have to go with Gardner. Um, I know he's not the household name, and I know that, that definitely the face and the, the player that's better for league recognition right now is Trent Richardson, and he's doing a phenomenal job with the touchdown aspect. But in, in my opinion, the touchdowns aren't what makes the premier player. Because um, really, Gardner's, you know, I look at it this way. <laughs> The only running back that seems to be averaging anything over like three yards of carry is Gardner. <laughs> and now, mind you, if you're trying to compare that to the NFL, it, it's going to look terrible because three yards of carry for an NFL running back is, is probably going to lose you your job. Um, but it, it kind of seems to be the average for, for AAF. Um, Gardner, however, is looking phenomenal. I don't have the numbers directly in front of me as far as what he's actually averaging, but I, I want to say it's four and a half, five and a half or something. A, a really good number. Yes, he's had the two long runs, and people will talk about that. Uh, it's just hard for me to say that Richardson is the premier running back in the league when he's he's less than even the, the three yards of carry. He's just, he's just not been efficient until he hits like inside that six, seven yard line, and he's able to punch in the touchdowns. But so, go ahead. No, so in your mind, he's he's okay. Maybe he's one of the best goal linebacks in the league, but he's not the guy in the league. Yes, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, he's the guy that obviously is the focal point of the iron, but he's not a guy that's that's going to. He's not a guy that in the fourth quarter you're probably going to be able to lean on to continue to get you first downs in a close game. My, my, that's just how I'm looking. Whereas if I'm San Diego and I'm in the same scenario and we have a three point lead and we need to run the clock to, to, to just keep the ball out of the other team's hands, I would have no problem handing that ball to Gardner, um, three straight times. Cause I, I believe that he could give me the first down. And I just don't know if Richardson can. Uh, but if I'm in, well, I say that because Gardner's touchdown last week was inside like the 10 yard line. Uh, I, I just have to go. I think Gardner's Gardner's the, the, the one of the better running backs in the league. Uh, I think that Trent Richardson again, definitely great for the league. Definitely piling on the touchdowns. Uh, guy has a, a, a nose for the end zone once they get there. Uh, just I'm just not seeing it anywhere else on the field. And I would like to see more from from my main top tier running back that's getting 20, 20 carries a game. I want to see him get more than 50 yards. I don't know offhand if he's broken 50. Mm. I'm actually trying to check it right now. 
No, and I and I understand that. I'm fifty eight, fifty eight in week one, um, but I was on twenty three carries. So I just I'm just not seeing the not seeing the efficiency that I would like to, uh, like I am from Gardner, who's who's able to get the short yardage stuff, and he's and he's breaking up, you know, breaking these eighty yard touchdowns. Uh, so if, if I had to pick, if I was picking for my team, I'd probably pick Gardner. All right, let's let's hop into these um, predictions right quick. Let's let's give the people what they want, right? Let's give the 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 betters what they want, right? We'll hop into these predictions really quick. We'll just do um, super quick predictions for this week. San Diego at Memphis. What you got? I and and I don't know. I might get burned here again, <laughs> but. But it is hard for me to go against Memphis at home in this particular game. I know the fleet are looking good, but they do have a cross-country trip. Um, we saw what happened when Arizona went and played the Express mm. uh, at home. You know, that was that, that two-point game, and that was with Hackenberg. Again, not a phenomenal performance. Bentenberger starting. It's at home. This is what everybody from Memphis has been calling for since the 15th play of the first game. Um, I, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean with with this Mettenberger led. I think there's I think you're just gonna see a spark in this offense. Uh, we saw him put up 17 points in the first half, whereas Memphis was only able to put up 18 points the entire game against Arizona. And Arizona's defense isn't really their strong. Uh, so I would I'm, I'm very curious in this game, but I know the fleet are looking good, but that defense for for the Express is also very good. Um, they're able to kind of stifle the run a little bit. This is going to be a really big test for that offensive line and the run unit for San Diego. But I'm going to go with the Express um, and, and Mettenberger taking the reins. I think I'm going to disagree with you for the first time in my life um, and go with and go with the fleet here. Um, I'm looking at that running game. Uh, I think the, the evolution of the passing game, especially when you have a, a target that you can go to now, as, as, as much as Nelson is starting to become – I'm sorry, as Bruce is becoming a guy, like I think – he can he can do something there, and I believe the fleet um, win this game. Even with Mettenberger starting, I think the fleet go in. They're hot, and I think they go in and win and, and, and beat Memphis. So that's my thought. Um, we'll see if if in my in my first time going against you that I, I win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got the Apollos at the upset laden, the upset ready stallions at home. Man, what you got in that one? This one is the one that I was <laughs> not looking forward to uh, as far as predicting because this one is tough. I mean, we just saw how important home field advantage is, uh, especially for Salt Lake. We know that Salt Lake is a pretty solid team. They just they just toppled the giant that was the Arizona Hotshots yeah. who have been favorited to win the, the entire thing since the beginning. And, and, uh, so it's tough. This is a tough one. They just flexed it to the night game. I think they're saying the high is going to be 43, and there's predicted rain or snow. Mm. Um, but, <laughs> but, whereas this week, the Stallions came in with a chip on their shoulder because they should have beaten Birmingham and did not and mm. came out and played angry and tried to prove a point, I think the inverse might be true this week. And they just beat that number one team, and they did it at home. And I think that this is a different team. This Orlando's Apollos team is is a different great team than what you saw with the Hot Shots. And I think that even with a backup scenario, I still think that overall the Orlando Apollos have the best quarterback situation in the league. And if even for some crazy happenstance, Derek Gilbert were to get hurt, you know that you're able to trade off for Austin Appleby. Um, and you're all able to trade out with, with Kevin Anderson, who has already got offensive packages in play. Uh, something else that I learned in the press conference this week is that the Apollos have not had an audible system implemented. Uh, Spurrier said that they are going to put that into play so they, they stop running into the teeth of the defense. I think they're going to have to implement that with a guy like Carter Schultz. Yep. I think that the Apollos are going to, once again, travel. And I think they're going to be able to get this out. I truly believe that they're going to favor that run game a little more. And if they do have a check system, you're going to see uh, the, the real talents of these running backs. And again, they have phenomenal running backs. You're just not seeing it as much. 
and they're not being talked about as much because of Garrett Gilbert. But really, these these running backs have won the game for the Apollos in the fourth quarter by when they finally get their number called and they're they're able to carry these 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 the ball. They're getting these first downs. Uh, they're getting these late touchdowns, or they're getting into scoring position and taking long drives. I think that the Apollos are going to be able to squeak it out. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be a very close game. I wouldn't even be surprised if we see a couple of uh, onside conversions near the end of the game for either side. Um, I think that's really what it's going to come down to is is uh, that that late fourth quarter uh, put a couple of late third, fourth quarter pushes. I say this, and you let me know if I can do this or not. If it rains, I got Salt Lake. But if if it rains or if it snows, I got Salt Lake. But if the conditions are beautiful and there's no problem, then I have the Apollos. No, I can't. I can't really disagree with that either. I mean, you're talking. Most of these guys are, are homegrown Florida boys. <laughs> I would be surprised how many of them have ever seen snow. Yeah, and I say that because I know how much. Um, the Apollos like to rely on their passing game and how their deep passing game is one of the big keys for them. And so because of that, like, I feel like if any conditions kind of challenge that, then I'm not saying that they won't be able to, you know, kind of come up with a different game plan, but I, I think it'll hamper their, their main weapon. And th- that's kind of my thought. What do you think about that? No, I, I think that that definitely is going to be a, a large factor. Um, I, I agree with you. I think if, if the rain or snow will, st- will, will stay away, I think the advantage definitely is going to sit on the Apollos. Um, but, I mean, you, you can't discredit the cold and the snow and, and rain and, and against a bunch of guys that, like I said, I mean, most of them grew up right here in Florida, and we don't we don't see freezing rain and snow and, and sleet and, and anything like that, and I think it will become a big issue. Um, I don't want to say that, it will be the end-all, be-all, because, again, I do think Dearness Johnson and Devion Smith are actually phenomenal running backs, and we might, hopefully, get a chance to really see them showcase, mm. which I would be super excited about. Okay. Um, but DJ just got the nod as the starter last week, uh, and he looked good, 13 carries for about 80 yards in the touchdown. Um, also can catch the football, uh, both deep and short. We saw that week, uh, week one with the 33-yard uh, catch so i i think i'll go apollos either but i i do think that i definitely think that if there's inclement weather the stallions will have a pretty substantial advantage uh, with that home field but I, i'll stick with apollos no i think for these next two i think maybe we'll easily agree um we have the san antonio commanders going up against the uh, birmingham iron who do you have in that one uh, I'm probably going to go iron. They're going to be at home. That defense is 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 still nasty. Um, possibly, possibly, we might see that the commanders uh, kind of tip their hand a little bit on uh, just power running football. We might finally see a, a relatively effective uh, and efficient Trent Richardson, which I know everybody's waiting for. Everybody's waiting for that 18 carry, 100 yard, and, and three touchdown performance. <laughs> Uh, this might be the time that we see that uh, they, they the commanders uh, just gave up, you know, uh, 220 something uh, running y- rushing yards last week. Uh, and I think the iron are going to, again, just continue to, re- to, to kind of feed Trent Richardson. Uh, that defense is good. The defense, as we just talked about earlier, is one of the best in the league. And I think they're going to be able to slow down the commander's offense in the passing game, especially with uh, uh, Jamar Summers. I mean, he's essentially going to shut down half the field. So, I mean, they're going to have to really rely on on a lot of things. And I think the Iron are going to take this one uh, at home. And for our last one, we have um, – and, and I agree with you. Definitely, I agree with you. I think the Iron will take this one. Um, and for the last one, I think we're both going to be on the same side <laughs> on this one. And I don't – because last week we made a leap together. And we, yes, we both died. So I <laughs> <laughs> So I think we're gonna stay on the side of safety um this week. But you know, who am I? I'm not Nostradamus. I don't know. Let's see. Let me ask at least. Who you got between Atlanta and Arizona? I am gonna go with the hot shots, but I am fully expecting the legends to win because I'm no, not choosing not them. Again. <laughs> Come on, Moose. So I am going I'm going with the hot shots. I do think they're the better team. I think they're coming home. 
Uh, I think they're going to be frustrated uh, that they that they dropped one that they 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 probably shouldn't have. Um, it will be very interesting though to find out what's going on with, with Wolford and if we're going to have Knight in. Are they going to sit him down? Uh, because like you said, this might be the kind of game you don't want to look past anybody. But if they're you know you don't want to put them back too early, and if you're going to sit out a game, this might be the one. Um, but like I said, that, that this hot shots defense is not the greatest. Uh, I can see it being being taken advantage of uh, by the legends, um, especially in a lot of the, the the little short, quick passes. And if they utilize a lot of that, I think the legends are going to have their best opportunity. The same way that, that Salt Lake kind of kind of tried to attack and, and using running games and just roll that pocket. But I am going to go with the hot shots because, again, I think home field advantage is pretty pretty massive in this league. Um, and so I've gone basically home team with everybody, but I think the Apollos are really one of those those teams that might be able to, to, to continue that the road win streak. But I'm going to go with the hot shots. Um, but I do expect this to be a, another pretty good game, much like the Express hot shots game where, uh, was a couple weeks ago. Like I think it'll be a um a pretty good game. I think it'll be a close game. Um but I think the only reason it'll be such a close game is if Knights playing. If Knights playing, um going up against that Atlanta defense, as you pointed out, they are great. Um and they they're very talented defense and um, a very respected a respectable defense, I'll say that. So if it's Knight versus that defense, I think that's the only thing that kind of keeps this close. Um but if Warfel's okay and he's in there. Um, I don't think this is even close. That that's that's my thought, and I think I think the high shots win either way. But I think it's um, this question is more so close game versus not close game. Yeah, I I, I would one hundred percent agree with with that same logic. I think if Wolford plays, um, I think that's a, a far more dynamic team, and I would not be surprised at all if, if you see just a, a a blowout. But with Knight in there, yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of of. A, a lot of just testing stuff out and trying to find out what can they do with him in game in case something does happen to Wolford again, even if this is not a long-term injury, uh, you're, you're going to want to play around with some offensive schemes and find something that's going to work out best for your backup quarterback. So you might even see a little bit of, of kind of playing around again. I'm not saying that they're overlooking the legends, but this is a team that you might be able to, to, to work some stuff out, some kinks out. But, yeah, it's really going to be dependent on what on earth is going on with Wolford. That's it, man. You're right. You're absolutely right. Let's let's um, let's wrap it up for the people today, man. I think I think we gave them a lot, right? We it's, it's about an hour so far we gave them. So in our um, second podcast last week was super cool. I'm very happy to let everybody know about it. Um, I just want to point people to on um, the website where they can get some awesome articles, man. Tell people where they can go and get um, articles on each one of these AAF teams and, um, and and just be, you know, stay up to date on all the stuff that you guys are putting out at Ambush. Yeah, go to uh, AmbushSportsNetwork.com and we've got articles for... I mean, every single team is typically getting a preview article for the game. There's usually a breakdown article if you weren't able to watch. I know a lot of people don't have, you know, BNR Live. They don't have TNT or they don't they can't watch it on CBS or NFL Network. Uh, our guys are putting out phenomenal content that's, that's breaking everything down. So if you did miss it, you might not get a chance to see all of it, but you'll get the gist and the heart of the game. That's AmbushSportsNetwork.com. You can follow us on Twitter at AmbushSports. And every single article we get, we post on there, and you don't even have to go looking for it. You just click it, and it brings you there. Awesome. Um, hey, and if you're listening to this, and you're, um, you know, you're listening to us, uh, us on Apple Podcasts, or even if you are listening to us from some other place, go to Apple Podcasts, um, like MTNV Sports, and follow us. Um, subscribe to our podcast. There's so many things that we cover on our podcast. Um, but give us that five star rating so we can hop up in the ratings and people can recognize this great content. I just want to say thank you to uh, my co-host Moose. Man, he is phenomenal. Go over to Ambush Sports, get all that great information, man. It, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, the writers are for real. Like they're really, really great, and you can even follow most of the, of them on Twitter. Um, so, and you can follow Moose on Twitter too. Moose, what's your Twitter handle? 
Yeah, I'm I'm at Bearded Moose, and that's with two zeros though, so that's M zero zero S E. But yeah, you can find me at Bearded Moose, and any of our riders, their socials will be linked at the bottom. Definitely follow them. Um, I don't want to sound biased, but I'm going to right now, and I'm gonna brag on them a little bit. I think they are the best coverage in AAF right now, and I would put them against anybody, any 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 company at all that's putting stuff out. I think these guys and gals are doing just as good, if not better. We're getting exclusive interviews with coaches. They're talking with players. Um, we're getting, you know, they're sitting press box on, on different games. I mean, they are phenomenal. Definitely follow them. They're always tweeting stuff out, just like golden little nuggets. Uh, plus, they, they'll, you know, they'll tweet and retweet their own articles as well. So if you're a fan of that particular team, I highly, highly recommend following those, uh, those riders. Yeah, I recommend that as well, man. Um, all right. This has been Rick Sincere, and you're hanging out with the Bearded Moose, man. We're, we're here. So happy that you decided to join us today, and we hope you have a blessed and phenomenal day. We out. writer for Ambush, The Gridiron, The Sports Herald, and The Sports Forward. You are listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Hey, we're super happy to be talking to expert NBA analyst Chris Broussard, founder of the King Movement. Chris, what is the King Movement and what are some major events coming up soon? King Movement, King is an acronym that stands for Knowledge, Inspiration, and Nurture Through God. It essentially is a Christian men's movement, a national Christian men's movement. I want to invite all the men out to the King Summit, the fifth annual King National Summit. The theme this year is return to royalty because we as men need to return to being the royal priesthood that God has called us to be. And so I want to invite all men out there uh, to come check it out. Young men, older men, it's going to be a Friendship Baptist Church. We're going to have great, inspiring praise and worship. We're going to have enlightening workshops and breakout sessions. We're going to have... Uh, great prayer, great celebrity speakers and guests. Uh, and we're also going to have a three-on-three basketball tournament that anyone can play in. Please go register at kingmovement.com. That's kingmovement.com as soon as possible. It is March 28th through the 31st. 28th through the 31st. Hey, thank you, Chris. That is in Atlanta, Georgia. Man, look, if it's anything like the huddle, you will not want to miss this event. Go register right now, right now at kingmovement.com.